If you've been going around the good old internet looking for the right podcast to fulfill your New York Yankees needs, well, I'll be the first to deliver the good news to you. You have found it. Here on Yapping Yankees with me, your host, Mike Scudero, you and I will be discussing the latest news, takes, and talk throughout the entire Yankee universe. Oh, and there may be some ranting on my behalf. Yeah. Anyway, what do you say we get to it? Let's get to yapping! Well, hello there, my fellow Yankee fans, and welcome to episode 208 of the Yapping Yankees podcast, where we yap about the Yanks and nothing but those Yanks. As always, I am your host, Mike Scudero, here with you on this Sunday, January 28th in the year 2024, for 2024's second episode, and In case you can't tell, I do have good news for you. My energy has basically been fully restored at this point. I do want to start this show by thanking each and every one of you out there a million for being so kind to me since my last episode two weeks ago. I really did my best to get through that episode the best that I could because if you remember, I was still at the end of recovering from my really ugly bout with the flu. That was a rough one, guys. (laughs) If you didn't hear that episode, well, don't. I recommend you don't. <laughs> but, I mean, I was told by everybody that especially due to my energy level, accounting for that, that it was still a really good show, and I, I appreciate your kind words. I still just think it wasn't one of my best by a long shot. <laughs> but, I mean, I was I was trying to be a little bit easy on myself because I did acknowledge that I was really low on energy. I just wanted to pop an episode out to you guys no less, though. I'm glad I did. I'm still glad I did. And I've used these last two weeks to heal up even more and just rest. I did get back to training and working out, though, this past week, which was nice. I think I bit off a little bit more than I could chew the first time around because, of course, I broke this up. I didn't do it straight through. Otherwise, it would be freaking Captain America. But I started my first day doing 300 push-ups with push-up handles, which makes it harder, and 150 pull-ups. And I divided up over 10 rounds, 30 push-ups and 15 pull-ups, therefore 300 and 150. And by around the 7th or 8th round, the Angels were pulling on me. So, but nonetheless, I made it through. Glad I did. And then I had a few other workout days after that leading up to today. So needless to say, I think I'm good. (laughs) The only thing is, is that this freaking cough is still harassing me a little bit. So, might have to take a couple of quick pauses just to turn away from the microphone and just give myself a really good cough once or twice. But then, should be over. Usually every time I get sick... It's like clockwork, that a cough just develops towards the end of it and stays with me for a couple of months. Yeah, months. You didn't hear that wrong. It does stick with me for that long, usually. It's a pain in my ass, but I'm over here saying uh, everybody's like, oh my god, hopefully the cough leaves you alone. That's got to be really annoying. I'm like, yeah, hope it does too, but I'm fully expecting it to stick around until at least St. Patrick's Day. So... I guess that'll be the deal. Even while spring training's going on, if any of you see me in person or whatnot, you'll still hear me coughing. Good chance. But (laughs) maybe I'll get lucky this time. Maybe it'll leave me sooner. But that's the good news for today, really, that I am feeling much better. Pretty sure you could probably tell my energy is basically back to being fully restored. And if it's not, then it's at like 95%. It's right there. Just glad that the bout with the flu is over because... Like I explained the last episode, I've had the flu twice in my life now with this most recent bout, and both times it damn near honestly killed me. So, just glad to be okay from it. 
crap freaks me out, man. <laughs> the flu is no joke. Do not get it. And if you have gotten it already, don't get it again. I'd say that's my best advice for you. But other than this damn cough still sticking around, I'm good to go, guys. So I'm excited for yet another Yapping Yankees episode here. Episode 208! And there's still a lot to talk about. Not as much as past off-season episodes. There's usually been a whole bundle of things to discuss for a bunch of the off-season episodes this off-season. As we now find ourselves at the tail end of January. Yes, spring training games even are now less than a month away. It's coming, guys. <laughs> and even with today's games, I got a whole bunch of people asking me, Oh my God, you're watching the football games, Chiefs and Ravens, Lions and 49ers. And I'm just sitting here, guys, like, bruh, it's yapping Yankees day. I'm sitting here talking to a mic and talking to my amazing yapping Yankees listeners out there listening currently talking about the Yankees and contemplating baseball's glorious return. I don't have time for this football nonsense. Well, tune in for a few minutes here and there. But (laughs) the Chiefs and the Ravens game already ended about an hour ago from the time I'm recording right now. It's almost 7 o'clock. I started late tonight. And now the Lions and the 49ers are going on. I don't even have it on TV, guys. I'm here to talk to you. Focus on you. Focus on the Yankees. Focus on baseball. Something that almost completely occupies all of my attention and desire throughout nearly the entire calendar year, sometimes to an unhealthy degree. But nonetheless, here we are still doing it, even in January when it is not on television. That's the point, isn't it? So, got a bunch to talk about today, mostly small roster stuff that the Yankees had done the last couple of weeks. So we'll go through all that good stuff. And also just talk about the overall free agency picture. There's still some big free agents left out there. I know the Yankees really have not delved into the free agency scene much this offseason outside of Marcus Stroman, really. A couple small things here and there as well, but outside of that, not too much. So we'll just briefly discuss that and any and all other options the Yankees could pursue for any other moves they could and or should make with spring training coming up. That may or may not be the topic of the social media segment later. Wink, wink. But also there's some interesting other news that came through about the Yankees earlier this past week, just a few days ago, pertaining to their road jerseys. Yeah, that's right. The Yankees and jerseys. When the hell was the last time that there were any changes having to do with that? Well, I'll tell you right now, it's been a damn long time. Some might even say about a half a freaking century ago. Yeah, the Yankees jerseys, they are what they are. Home pinstripes, road grays. Not quite the case totally anymore. At least not what it's been for a while now. There might be some changes on the horizon. Really hard to believe, but we'll get into those later in case you're curious. Stick around for that. And then we'll have our social media segment. Have ourselves a nice episode 208 here on the 28th of January. What do you say? Something else I'm excited to announce is actually something really cool happening next week, even though I'm not doing an episode next weekend. I'll be back at you in two weeks. That is, unless, with the regular Yapping Yankees off-season format disclaimer, something big happens this coming week, in which case I will be back at you next Sunday talking about it. But otherwise, I'll be back at you in two weeks. But either way, regardless of when the next episode happens, next weekend or the weekend after, I'll be doing it with some new equipment. That's right. First time in a while, I'm actually getting a massive equipment upgrade. For the last few years, I've been doing the episode in my room, as you know. I've been doing it in my room since the beginning, actually. But 
for the last few years, since a little bit after I started Yapping Yankees, because at the very beginning of it, I was doing it on a laptop with the USB microphone plugged into it. I still have it plugged in, but just into a different device now. And it's worked very well for me, as you can hear. The quality is awesome, at least I think. Have seldom had a problem with it. But the last few years, better part of them, I have been using it with a Mac. And quite frankly, just so you guys can get a little inside view on behind-the-scenes yapping Yankees work, like editing and stuff, post-production for when the podcast is done being recorded, and even sometimes some complications during recording that I then have to fix later on to make it sound seamless to you guys. It's one of my terrific radio editing skills come into play. But this Mac PC, to put it mildly, has not been very good to me because the people, I got it as a gift, and the people who sold it to the people who bought it for me, which were my amazing mom and girlfriend who you hear featured every single episode here on Yapping Yankees in the social media segment and heard specially on microphone in episode 200, They got me this computer as a present years ago, three, four years ago, and no fault of their own, the people who sold them this um, didn't give them what they were promised (laughs) because they told them, yeah, he's going to be using this for podcasting and, you know, doing what he's got to do on here and just doing regular radio stuff maybe for his podcast or anything else, just, you know, media stuff, just a couple of softwares on there, maybe using the internet here and there when needed, obviously, to upload the show and stuff. And they gave them a computer that could not withstand that sort of a thing, or so a recent technology guy said to us, after looking into it deeper than anyone at Apple ever bothered to. So, I've been really doing the episode every weekend. I mean, I've been getting out the content, so, you know, it's enough to get the content out, but the computer does not run well, unfortunately. And after seeing a few different people in my life around me having these more advanced, more modern computers, especially the gamer PCs out there, and seeing how they run, my curiosity has been spiked, to say the least. And I've looked into these computers myself, and I've decided I'm going to get one. (laughs) So, myself, as well as my mom and girlfriend and others around me, are going to basically put in what we have to in order to get me an even better computer. So, after already deciding on which one to get... This is going to be taking place very soon. By next Saturday, I'm going to get it. I'm going to set it up, and I'm going to test it for the podcast and all that good stuff, and I'm going to be using a new computer. And this is apparently going to be running like a million bucks, which I can't wait for. And listen, this Mac, it's gotten the job done over the past few years, but even the tech guy, when he turned it on, he was like, dude, I don't know how you've had this kind of patience to work with this thing for as many years as you have. I would have gotten rid of it after a week. And I'm like, well... Interesting thing is I'm not too patient of a person by nature, too, so that's very fascinating as to how I even lasted this long with it. It's literally been at least like three or four years, and he's like, well, I guess you're more patient than you give yourself credit for. I'm like, I guess so. So that's that. I guess the official update is that there is an equipment upgrade on the horizon very, very soon happening, so I don't know if it's going to change the sound quality. Hopefully, if anything, it makes it better because it's a new and updated, more modern computer. So we shall see. I'm just really surprised this worked out the way it did because, and I don't blame my mom and girlfriend at all, obviously. It was an awesome idea and an awesome gift in itself. I mean, it should have been. I mean, people hear Mac and they're like, holy crap, the Macs run awesome. Uh, Not this one, unfortunately. And this is one of many reasons I don't like Apple, but shame on them for getting in-depth details on what the computer is going to be used for and really getting a clear description of everything and selling someone something that can't withstand all that stuff. I mean, it's just crazy to me, but 
Nonetheless, we're all banding together to get this other computer. We're all really excited. I'm super psyched about it. Couldn't be thankful to everyone around me chipping in for helping me do this. It's awesome. Can't wait for the upgrade. It's going to be a really cool computer. And I hope that it only makes the podcast even better and easier to do when it comes to post-production, all editing work, even uploading, how fast things load, all that. Can't wait for it. So again, regardless of when the next Yapping Yankees episode is, I'm going to be doing it on a new computer, new equipment, the whole shebang. Looking really forward to it. So equipment upgrade coming, feeling better from the flu. Back to my routine for the most part. Spring training games even now are less than a month away. In just a little bit over two weeks only, pitchers and catchers will be reporting to Tampa. There's a lot to look forward to on the horizon, guys. And with spring training coming closer, a couple of people have also asked me, well, when is the off-season bi-weekly format going to be coming to an end? We're going to have you back on a weekly basis since spring training's coming. Well, the same as always before, when spring training games begin. So about a month from now, maybe even a little less, I'll be coming at you every single week again, with the exception of the few Sunday holidays out there and, you know, whenever I have something come up, obviously. But other than that, it's every week again, baby, coming soon. Looking forward to it. Baseball so close. Oh, my God. Everybody is so excited about everything going on with football right now, and I'm probably one of so few feeling this way, and that's totally fine. I'll go against the crowd. I could not care less, possibly. But I'm the only one over here just excited as all hell, thinking every single day about how close baseball is to returning, and you can think I'm as much of a loser or as crazy as you want as a result of that. I could not possibly humanly care less. The only thing I do care about is that even spring training games are less than a month away. I cannot say that enough. I really can't. But why don't we stop wasting time? Let's get right into Yankees news and talk about what's happened the last couple of weeks. Like I said, just mainly some small roster stuff happening. Nothing major took place. But some stuff to talk about nonetheless, and a lot of lingering free agents and some players that I think a lot of us really expected to be signed by now or even a while ago that are still out there, maybe just recently signed, maybe some that could have been on the Yankees' radar, so on and so forth. Just what's going on as February is just days away at this point. Middle of the week, mid to end week, it's going to be February already. That's crazy. You're starting to look outside. Sun's going down a smidge later every day. Starting to see a little bit of a difference, maybe. Start to really see it towards like mid to late February. Then, of course, first, second week of March. You got the clocks going ahead an hour again, and you see it even more after that, obviously, since you're losing an hour. But the sun will be at least an hour difference by then. No, it's just awesome. Oh, my goodness. This is the part of the year where I just start to contemplate the feeling of spring approaching and... Summer even after that, even though we're still just right in the middle of winter, I do not care. This time of year, I'm always thinking ahead to better and warmer days. <laughs> because just like a week ago, we had like five straight days where the temperature did not even touch freezing. You know I'm at peak misery when that happens. My God, am I missing baseball when that takes place. But anyways, let us go back to about two weeks ago and work our way up to today more or less about what has happened in Yankees news. Well, you go back just a day after the last time we spoke on the 15th, something did already happen. 
more international signing news. There's been a bit of that this offseason. We know the Yankees really love to do this a lot of the time. That's where a lot of their young studs come from, including our very own Jason Dominguez, another one where the Yankees got via international signing. They do it a lot. And even some others they have waiting in the wings, like uh, Roderick Arias. That could possibly turn out to be another young stud. They've been huge on him for years. He's hovering around in the top five right now. So it's a promising arena for the Yankees, one that they often love to delve into and indulge. And they continue to do it here with 17-year-old Francisco Velorio, who's MLB.com's number 15 international prospect with the 2024 signing period opening on that Monday the 15th. Well, the Yankees took immediate action and signed Villorio. And he's described as a tall, projectable outfielder, so another potential outfield option for the future for the Yankees. And who knows where they'll be by the time he's ready to go, but could be a huge option in the future. Who knows? It's good to at least stockpile on these guys for depth and have them potentially turn out to be humongous players. But And not even just figuratively speaking, too, because... He's projected as a very tall outfielder with power potential and the ability to impact the game in various ways. And they even go on to say the athletic team has a solid bat and has a chance to hit for both average and power in the future. And he already shows emerging raw power and more strength should come as he matures. And that is a direct quote from Major League Baseball officials. He projects to be a middle-of-the-order bat and an offensive threat as he continues to develop at the expected pace that he has. So, I mean, here's to hoping he ends up being a huge thing in the future. That'd be a huge plus for the Yankees, man. Keep on stockpiling these international studs. A lot of them turn out to be huge. I mean, look how look how many of them are in center stage in Major League Baseball right now. They're a big part of modern baseball. So, keep on signing them, man. Can't hurt to keep on adding them. I've always thought the Yankees are very smart to keep on dipping their toe into this arena. And I know they lost $1 million of international signing money when they brought in Carlos Rodon. I'm pretty sure they did. But listen, they still have more to spend. And as, as long as they do, keep on signing these studs, man. Number 15 now. Keep on going. It's a good thing. Especially in recent years, the Yankees, as we know, have had a lot of trouble getting the necessary outfielders to get by and do the job. Outside of this offseason, of course, because now they traded for Juan freaking Soto, and they've gotten some solid outfield depth back. But before this, they've had some years now where they've had a lot of trouble nailing down the outfield properly and doing all these experiments and test trials on people that are not outfielders, trying to see if they could fit out there. Enough is enough. Get outfielders to play the outfield. And who knows, maybe in the future they'll run into similar difficulties, and when this kid's ready to go, he could definitely help out. So we'll see. Again, I'm all for it. Not going to hear any blowback from me. Then on Thursday the 18th started some roster adjusting, especially in light of some recent signings, especially in this case. But on Wednesday, the Yankees had officially announced that the signing of Marcus Stroman resulted in the designation of outfielder Oscar Gonzalez for assignment to make room on the 40-man for Marcus Stroman. And the Yankees had just claimed Oscar Gonzalez off waivers from the Guardians back in December. So his time on the 40-man did not last very long. But speaking of not lasting very long, on Friday the 19th, the very next day, Jeter Downs was also DFA'd. Only exactly one month after the Yankees claimed him off waivers. 
And in turn, at that point, the Yankees had claimed infielder and outfielder Diego Castillo off waivers from the Mets. So a lot of claims from waivers the last month, and now some adjusting from doing that and bringing another guy from waivers. So a lot of little stuff going on on the roster, like I said. So some minor shifting happening. But when it comes to Oscar Gonzalez and Jeter Downs, and there's always the chance of this happening when you DFA, DFAing does not immediately mean that said player is just gone. It's not a guarantee. Somebody has to pick them up. Otherwise, you basically just get to shove the guys in AAA and they remain in the organization. This is what happened again with Oscar Gonzalez and Jeter Downs. Nobody picked them up. So, they were both outrighted to AAA. So, again, they're still within the organization, obviously, but they're just not on the 40-man roster. So, if they are to be used on the big league club at any point, then the Yankees will have to DFA somebody else, or maybe someone goes on the 60-man IL. Regardless of the method, they're going to have to make room on the 40-man to place them back onto it, where they were before, and then they can come up. But for now, they're just outrighted to the minors, to AAA specifically, because nobody picked them up. So they're still around at least. So Jeter Downs is still within the Yankees organization. It's only right because of his first name. And so is Oscar Gonzalez. So there's the deal with that. Lots of shifting going around, and they ended up being back in the minors because nobody picked them up. The next day again on the 20th, more DFAing. Since Luke Weaver was added to the 40-man roster, I had told you guys about his return to the Yankees, the Yankees re-signing him, bringing him back a couple of weeks ago. The Yankees had to make room on the 40-man for him now as well, which was full before Bubba Thompson was designated for assignment. I think we spoke about him two weeks ago in the prior episode as well, about his only plus really being the fact that he is as fast as lightning. Well, now he's DFA'd as well, but the difference between him and... Oscar Gonzalez and Jeter Downs was that he was actually claimed by the Twins. So Bubba Thompson is staying within the American League, but he will not have any chance to be on the Yankees' main roster anymore because he is now with the Twins after being picked up by them. Obviously, remember that Thompson had joined the Yankees on a waiver claim as well on January 4th, just the day after my birthday, and now he's a Twin. So lots of DFAing lately, roster shifts, minor roster shifts, And the last thing really of note is that on Thursday, the 25th, just a couple of days ago, the Yankees actually signed Luis Torrens to a minor league deal. He's a catcher, and it was probably just for depth for the minors or a piece to have on deck for the majors in case, uh, well, the injury bug decides to spread like a wildfire again, as it does every freaking year for the Yankees. So, in case they ever happen to need some catching depth, well... He's there for the taking in case they need them. He does have plenty of experience in the majors, but the Yankees have now brought him in on a minor league deal. The Yankees have very much stockpiled on catchers in recent years, and they continue to do it now. So in case they ever need it, he's there. So that's really it as far as all the small things the Yankees did as of the last two weeks. Nothing crazy, nothing worthy of note, really, but it's news, so got to talk about it. Now, I want to get to the one thing that's really interesting. I'm not going to spend too much time on this, but I definitely wanted to touch on it at least a little bit because it's very interesting. I mentioned it just a little bit before in the intro, but something really fascinating happening to the Yankees that has not been done with them in a very long time, especially with the road jerseys. I don't think they've been modified for the better part of the last 50-ish years or so, but the Yankees are actually going to be changing their road jerseys a little bit. 
Now, like I said before, the Yankees' uniforms have always been what many of us have known them to be, many of us for our entire lives, really. Pinstripes at home, road grays with the New York written across the chest with the white highlighting around the letters and all that stuff. But they're going to be changing a little bit. They're going to be going back to a look for the road jerseys. The pinstripes are staying the same for now. Thankfully, it's too much of a classic look. I don't think you really change that, nor should they. But a lot of people, especially with the road jerseys, because of there's been a lot of complaints over the years that the Yankees' road jersey is just really bland with just the gray and then the New York letters across the chest with the white outlining around the letters. There's really nothing going on. Obviously, no names on the back either. They should maintain that. But there's been a lot of complaints that they're just bland. Lots of alternates that they've used, whether it be City Connect jerseys or even the spring training uniforms. Um, I know that there was a, a Yankee uniform the Yankees wore during a week in Los Angeles a couple of years ago. It looked really cool. It was like it was like black and gray and, and with the white outlining still. It looked really cool. And some people were mentioning that as a potential really cool alternative to use. The Yankees don't really have alternatives. A lot of teams do. The Yankees don't. But they are changing the road jerseys just a little bit to a more classic look. As a matter of fact, it would be more of a throwback to what the road uniforms were pretty much like in the early 70s and back. So like I said, about 50 plus years ago, Going back to the early, mid-70s, and even more behind from there, which is really interesting. There's apparently going to be no more white outlining on the New York letters across the chest. So, it's literally just going to be the letters in that dark blue New York, with no white outlining on the outside of the letters. And there's going to be no more sleeve trimming either. So, it's going to look like really old-fashioned. Now... Because they're actually subtracting some things from the uniform, I could definitely see some complaints continuing about the non-originality and and how bland it looks and whatnot, but call me crazy, I think going back to the classic look for the road uniforms is actually really cool. Because I like how they actually used to look back then. Because now it's just like really, there's just not much going on with this, but I think actually taking away that outlining and getting rid of the sleeve trimming, I think it's a really cool look. It really is a throwback to older looking uniforms. And I think any change when it comes to the road jersey for the Yankees is good change. So, I actually don't have much of a problem with it. I really, like I mentioned, those jerseys they wore for that series at Dodgers Stadium, where everything was basically like black with the white outlining around black letters saying New York across it. I thought that was really cool. So, if they want to incorporate that with it too, I would not have a problem with that at all. Even some of the past spring training alternates are not that bad, but listen... You want to go back to a more classic look, something that's really cool with the no more sleeve trimming and just the letters being there without the the outlining, the white outlining. I think that's actually really cool. So I'm all for this. I think it's very interesting. It's some sort of a change when it comes to the road jerseys, even if it's not what a lot of people would like or really care about. It's better than nothing at all. I do definitely agree with the people that something, anything, was definitely due for a change, especially when it comes to the road jerseys. I, I have no problem with the pinstripes, obviously. I think those should really stay the same. But the road jersey, there's a lot that you could incorporate with it. Maybe make some minor changes with it. There's definitely some minor changes, but I think it could really end up looking really cool. I really do. The fact that they're going back to some jerseys to the early, mid-70s and back, 
paying some homage to how it used to look back then. I think it's really awesome. So look for this change coming up. I think it's pretty interesting. I think it's really cool. I think it's going to be pretty popular. And for those who really don't care for it, I mean, they're not really going to care for it. It's whatever. But I mean, it's a change. And I think it could be a really good throwback to the past. Which the Yankees, you know, they should throw back to the past a bit. Because recent years, although they have accomplished some good things here and there, obviously. But when it comes to titles, you know, it's really getting to be about the past at this point. With even the last title being 15 years ago at this point. And uh, back then, you know, it was when a lot of their success was. Not to say that they have no modern day success at all. It's definitely not true. But just of recent years, the last 15 years or so, when it comes to winning titles, you know, especially when people are just craving change to begin with in any way they can, I think it's a nice breath of fresh air to really pay some respect to anything pertaining to what the Yankees used to look like and how they used to be back in the day a little bit. So I think this is really cool. I'm all for this. Looking forward to seeing how this comes out and if it's really anything to write home about. Still really intrigued by it. Looking forward to it. And let me know, either in the comments below the video if you're watching on YouTube or in the comments on any platform you're listening on, let me know how you feel about this change. You really care about it? You're looking forward to it? Let me know. Curious to hear some thoughts about this. Or even if you want to hit me on social media about it. I'm all for it. I want to hear some thoughts about this. For the most part, I think I saw it was pretty popular with most Yankee fans. I think I saw some people not really care about it. Really, nobody hated on it. I mean, I don't really know how you could hate on it, especially when you haven't seen it yet. But let me know what you think. Curious to hear some more thoughts out there. As of right now, though, guys, otherwise, for the remainder of the show, there's really not much else to hit on other than the biggest thing to hit on, obviously. Really looking forward until spring training starts with February being mere days away. What's the free agency picture looking like? What else could or should the Yankees do while they can before spring training begins? Obviously, moves can still happen during spring training and things like that, but a lot of fans, including myself, like to have a certain sense of closure when the offseason truly ends with spring training beginning and really knowing how you're going into spring training and what your roster is looking like for the most part. A lot of people like to... Just really feel comforted in knowing what's to come. What team are we going to be seeing in spring training in these exhibition games leading up to the regular season? And time's starting to run out a little bit from that because, you know, if nothing major happens this coming week, the next time we'll talk is in two weeks. And by then, we're going to be right up on pitchers and catchers getting ready to report. By then, it's going to be right around the corner. And then before you know it, not long after that, we're going to have spring training art on televisions enjoying some baseball on TV again, even if the games don't count, and regardless of how quickly we get tired of the games that don't count and just start craving games that do have meaning to them, regardless, it is still definitely better than the absolute void of nothingness that is the offseason for months to have any and all sort of baseball back on our televisions. But time is running out a bit until that happens if the Yankees want to get any more moves in before then. There are a lot of free agents remaining, guys. There's been a decent amount of signings just in the last couple of days alone, especially in the relievers market, because just a matter of days ago, you had Hector Neris on the market. He just signed with the Cubs. That was the one I was looking at for the Yankees. Phil Maton, and he's still out there. Wandy Peralta is still out there. Obviously, especially with Neris off the market, you definitely look to a potential Yankees and Wandy Peralta reunion, which I wouldn't hate at all. Wandy Peralta's done a lot of good things in his time with the Yankees. So I wouldn't mind a reunion there, but there have been rumors about the Mets being in on him as well. 
So in that case, he would still be in New York, but just with the crosstown rival. David Robertson was still out there. He just signed, I think it was like yesterday, with the Rangers, I believe. Ottavino was out there, but I think also yesterday, the day before, he re-signed with the Mets. So he's off the market now. But just a matter of days ago, you still had all those relief pitchers out there. Even in the starting pitching market, Montgomery's still out there. Snell is still out there as far as free agents. Lots of other pitchers being rumored in potential trades still. Woodruff is still out there as a free agent. Mike Clevenger's out there as a free agent. And there's still a bunch of other position players out there that are still free agents worthy of note. And they still don't have a team yet. One of them being, interestingly enough, when it comes to infielders, I don't want to ignore that there has been talk about this for the last couple of weeks. I don't think I mentioned it two weeks ago, but even Gio Urshela is still out there. People are talking about a potential reunion with him, with the Yankees, despite their currently crammed infield, because then it's a question of where do you play DJ, really, even though DJ, the last couple of years or so, has really been, for the most part, pretty unreliable, unfortunately. And that breaks my heart, because I love DJ. His defense is still up to par, that's for sure, but his bat, and even his health at times, he's had a lot of injury troubles for the last couple of years, as we know, and he finished off the year last year pretty strong, but, I mean, before that, he was still looking like the DJ that's really taken a strong downturn since he signed his new contract, unfortunately. We really miss 2019 and even 2020, even though I I only give the 2020 season so much value at all, but even that year's DJ, you miss that a lot. And if Gio were to return, it would beg the question what they would really do with the infield. Rizzo expected to come back from injury for first base. So how much would you be able to use DJ for there? I know Boone likes to rotate around a lot, but then you have Glaber manning second base for the most part, vast majority of it, as he should. Unless, of course, he's used in a trade, then that opens up second base, which I'm not really sure how I feel about that right now because I really would like Glaber to stick around, especially after the 2023 season he had. I think he has a lot of value here. You have Volpe at shortstop. And at third base, you'd have DJ. And plus, hanging around in the wings, you also have for depth, Oswald Peraza, Oswaldo Cabrera, a lot of these other guys that could be used in their places if need be. So it's like, where does Gio really fit? But obviously, if the Yankees do end up bringing him back, they'll make room for him somehow, I guess, even if he's just a bench piece for now. But it's tough because Gio's had his injury troubles of late, too. But there have definitely been rumors there, and that is certainly a name that I would not have a problem having a reunion with either. Because I was a huge fan of Geo, and I was really sad when they traded him to Minnesota in that Donaldson and IKF deal. And Ben Wurtfett, how could you forget Ben, right? Um, but I really would not mind a reunion there. I miss Geo a lot. Especially his defense, if nothing else, at third base. Phenomenal defender at third base. Even though he did some really good things with the bat as well. But I do miss Geo. We'll see if anything happens there, though. But regardless, still out there along with a lot of other big names on the free agent market too. Obviously, the Yankees have not delved into this as much outside of guys like Marcus Stroman, and they made the small signing of Luke Weaver as well. And Well, if they bring Wandy Peralta back, they'll be delving in again in the free agent market, but a lot of their success has come via trade, really, and lately has been coming off claiming people off waivers, really. So we'll see if they decide to make some moves in the free agent market, maybe with just Wandy Peralta. Maybe if they end up bringing in Blake Snell or Jordan Montgomery coming back as well, that reunion could always happen. I was for that for a while. Still am for the right price. If Gio could come back, I mean, some interesting thoughts out there. Really where my attention lies, though, is the starting pitchers. It always comes back to this. And I'm going to reiterate a lot of what I have in recent weeks, too. I'm not going to spend too much time on it, though, because I've really echoed my thoughts on this crap enough with February around the corner. I've been 
very vocal about this for God knows how many weeks now. How many times can you say the same thing over and over again? But I've been a huge advocate for now that Marcus Stroman signed. I, st- I do still think that they need just one more starter. Before Marcus was signed, I do think there were better options out there than him, and, and I would not be okay with it if he were the only one. I do think the Yankees need more as far as starting pitchers outside of just Marcus Stroman when it comes to acquiring other guys this offseason. But they acquired him, so they haven't done absolutely nothing, even though he does come with some of his concerns that he comes with, having some injury problems of late and finishing off 2023 the way he did as awfully as he did in the second half. And obviously his controversies with the Yankees and their fans in the last handful of years, but that's more of an off-field issue. Hopefully that doesn't spiral into anything because that would be a nice mess that we have. But nonetheless, I've been saying the whole offseason that they need to continue to address the outfield and get a huge, huge player like Juan Soto, which I have been in such favor for, regardless of the whole rental thing. You know that, if you follow me at all. <laughs> but regardless, right after that, my attention turned to starting pitching, which I also acknowledge is a huge need, but I definitely did believe that hitting should have been addressed first. It was, and now for a while now, I've been harping on the starting pitchers. They acquired Marcus, but I still think they needed one more because I was going on record saying that I do think acquiring at least two would be very beneficial and preferred for the Yankees. So Marcus was one, I suppose. That's fine. And they still need one more. The one that you know that I've been pushing for is to try to go for a trade for Shane Bieber. Now, I know a lot of people probably, and nobody's actually said this to me, so I'm pretty surprised. But I could imagine some people out there would view me as a bit of a hypocrite. Always viewing recent injuries as a potential red flag for anybody who could be a Yankee going into 2024. Well, some people would be very quickly to mention that Shane Bieber's had recent injury troubles too. And that's valid. I do also hold him to that. I'm not being totally hypocritical here. But the difference between Shane Bieber and a lot of those other guys is Shane Bieber's upside and also his reputation and his stat line throughout his career, even of late. He's still a solid pitcher. And his age, too. He's only still in his late 20s. He would also be in a rental situation since he just avoided arbitration in the last year of that from considering next offseason he should be a free agent this offseason to avoid arbitration. He's making a little bit over $13 million. But then you can even hold on to him after that. But even if you're in an all-in mode for 2024, I think this would be a solid move for the Yankees to make. I really, really do. Because to add to guys like Marcus Stroman and even other guys you're really relying on to do what they're paid for, like Carlos Rodon, I think a young really respectable and reputable arm like Shane Bieber would be solid to have in this rotation. Because at that point, you'd have two amazing right-handed pitchers in him and Garrett Cole, and a respectable right-handed pitcher in Marcus Stroman as well. And then as long as they're healthy, you have a couple of guys who, if they really fall the right way, could really end up being two big lefties in Carlos Rodon and Nesta Cortez, and even a potential sixth option like Clark Schmidt. So, another righty to add to the mix. So, you'd have a really nice mix in that rotation, some really big names that could work out really well. But really what it comes down to, regardless of whether or not the Yankees acquire another starter, there's one factor in the middle of all of this that we have to acknowledge, that the Yankees are really relying on. And they ought to, honestly, because that's what you pay them for. He had his injury troubles in the past as well, 
but you're expecting him to get past that and really honor his contract and do what he is paid to do. Regardless of what happens, I think it is very obvious that the Yankees, as they should, are really hoping that Carlos Rodon ends up being the man that they paid for, especially if Marcus Stroman is ultimately the only starting pitcher move that they make. At that point, it's really going to hinge on what Carlos Rodon does, because the Yankees signed Carlos Rodon to be that number two behind Garrett Cole. It's easy to forget because of what took place in 2023 and what an unbelievably disappointing first year of his contract it ended up being. So a lot of people are quick to forget that because they're so overtaken by these thoughts of what they hope the Yankees still do by acquiring another starter. It's very easy to forget that just a year ago, the Yankees made a signing that I think the vast majority of us were in favor for, including myself. Because we expected Carlos Rodon to be that number two behind Garrett Cole. That did not end up coming to fruition. Nestor Cortez regressed and was majorly hurt in 2023. It took Clark Schmidt a long time to find his footing before he was respectable later on in 2023. The Yankees' rotation majorly fell apart, literally outside of just Garrett Cole. But now the Yankees have Marcus Stroman. And especially if they end up acquiring another starter, but even if they don't, they do have a five-man rotation now with the hopes that other guys like Beater and Luis Heel who's coming off Tommy John surgery, maybe Will Warren down in the minors, maybe Clark Schmidt if you do acquire somebody else, maybe he could go back to the bullpen and long relief role if you need him to, if he has no place in the rotation by then if you are to acquire Shane Bieber or someone else. They do have additional pitching depth now, even if they lost a great deal of it, mainly due to the Juan Soto trade, which is okay. I think a lot of people are over-dramatizing that. I do see some depth that the Yankees still have, and they can continue to add to that depth over time. They did lose depth, yeah, I'm not arguing that, but I just don't think it's as catastrophic as some people are making it out to be. Definitely acquiring Marcus Stroman helped to fill out the rotation a bit, and like I said, they do have those other names they're hoping contribute at some point or another in this season if needed. But especially if they don't acquire that other starter, it's really going to fall back, guys, on what Carlos Rodon does. Rodon is a huge X factor in this, regardless of what happens. Even if the Yankees do acquire someone like Shane Bieber in a trade, or they bring back Montgomery by signing him, or if they sign Blake Snell, because Blake Snell doesn't really seem to have many other offers on the table, unless other reporters just haven't reported it. And I'll get to Blake Snell in a second, too, because there is some stuff to talk about with him as well. But regardless of whether or not they even get somebody else, Carlos Rodon is still going to be up in that rotation as the two or three guy. A lot of it's going to fall on him. If Carlos Rodon has the season we all expect of him, that's game-changing for the Yankees' rotation and their season at large. Because you have Garrett Cole... Let's say you acquire Shane Bieber or you get Montgomery back or you get Blake Snell and you have... Them with their skills. I mean, I don't think I don't see Montgomery as as someone as high up as a two or something like that. But especially if you're to get like a Blake Snell or a Shane Bieber or someone of that stature, you have them to back up Garrett Cole and then Carlos Rodon on top of that being the Carlos Rodon he's supposed to be that the Yankees paid for last year. Think of that one, two, three. And then behind that, you still got guys like Marcus Stroman and Nestor Cortez. And if not Nestor, then Clark Schmidt. So a lot of it, like I said, especially if you don't get that additional starter on top of that, 
a lot of it's going to depend on what Carlos Rodon does. We saw how it hurt the Yankee rotation for him to have the 2023 that he had. The Yankees were really banking on him to be that backup for Cole. And he's still got to be for the remaining years of his contract. What happened last year cannot happen again. And if something even remotely resembling it happens again, it cannot be nearly as severe. Between the amount of time he missed and how brutal he was after that extreme amount of time that he missed. It just can't happen again. The Yankees are relying on him too much. And if you want to play the hindsight game and blame them for that, then fine. Or if you even had it ahead of time that you had your concerns about Rodon and you didn't like the move, then hey, more power to you. You must be Nostradamus' offspring. But nonetheless, regardless of all of this sarcasm and whatnot, the point remains, the Yankees' X-factor, particularly with the starting rotation, is Carlos Rodon. They need him to be the man they paid for. That's what it comes down to. Nestor Cortez has got to bounce back. That's the thing about the Yankee rotation, even with Marcus Stroman being in the mix now. The jarring thing is that this rotation has the potential to play out very well, but a lot of things have to fall into place to do so. And these are a lot of things that a lot of people, including myself, don't necessarily have full faith in. In some cases, maybe not even partial faith in. I'm not sure how I feel about Carlos Rodon. I'm nervous about Nestor Cortez because, I mean, it's been kind of proven that at some point his arm does have a ceiling to it. And he overall did show some signs of regression last year. I mean, maybe that in turn, since he did spend a lot of time injured but also didn't pitch a lot, maybe that'll mean that he's ready to go for 2024 and he can turn that around and have a bounce back. That's what you hope for. But it is far from being a guarantee. Carlos Rodon, at this point, is pretty far from being a guarantee. Nothing's really a guarantee, but if you want something to be as close to a guarantee as you could possibly have it be, then his name is Garrett Cole. That's the standard, obviously. But then you have Marcus Stroman finishing out 2023 the way he did with his occasional injury concerns as well. And Clark Schmidt's still really on the up and up. He's still developing, figuring out what it takes to be a part of a rotation in the major leagues. So you can only rely on him so much. But if you have everything fall in the right place and Clark Schmidt being a five guy and pitching the way he did for the better part of the second half of last year, this rotation could be stunning. Or, (laughs) Carlos Rodon could have a train wreck of a season again between poor performances and injuries. Nestor Cortez could continue to get battered around and injured again. Marcus Stroman could be eh, or it could just be a disaster. Have the fans turn on him in two seconds, have the behavior be completely toxic, have him turn into a clubhouse cancer, and as a result of this, and even just based off skill alone, maybe go out there and just get shelled time and again, and Clark Schmidt having trouble finding his footing again, it could all completely fall apart. This rotation could easily end up being like the Hindenburg, just complete and utter catastrophe. But it could go either way, and that's why my concerns about adding another guy come into play, and I do still think they have to. I think it would be really intelligent to, I think it would be a really smart move to not bank on what they have right now at this very moment. I think another arm would greatly benefit them. And that's where we revisit the discussion. Who could it be? And the starting rotation is really what I'm focused on. The two guys, well, three guys I'm really looking at, 
one via trade, two via signing. Blake Snell, Jordan Montgomery, Shane Bieber. Now, the Shane Bieber discussions really died down of late, especially since he avoided arbitration with the Guardians, but that doesn't mean he can't be traded. I'm still holding out some hope. Especially because of all these new tax discussions going on with the Yankees because of where their their payroll is right now and which tax threshold they're in right now and why that was a potential reason they didn't bring in Hector Neris. I got into a whole thing with some people on Twitter yesterday about it who I guess have just turned into the Yankees' financial advisors. I don't really know. It's just really bizarre. Some people taking things way too personally, even though there's really no need to. I just want to reiterate the fact that when I'm on Twitter, I'm on social media with a bunch of people just trying to talk about baseball and life, and yeah, I could be sarcastic on there at times, but I in no way mean it as a mean-spirited manner. But one thing I'm not going to put up with is being insulted or getting into senseless arguments and fights with people that I don't even know in real life. I just don't care enough and it's a waste of my time. And that's not what I'm on social media for. It's not what you should be on social media for either. Don't go onto these platforms. You don't really even know anybody looking for fights. It's not worth it. (laughs) That's why when somebody insults me, I either just tell them to cool it or I just cut off the interaction. I just leave. I I don't care. I don't care. Out of all the people I've ever met on social media, I maybe know, I don't know, like 1% or 2% of them very well in real life or have even seen them in person. Those are the ones I care about to have legitimate discussions with. And even if we debate a little bit, I'm much more open to doing it with them. But if I don't even know you from a hole in the wall or don't know you personally very well or haven't seen you in person or anything of the sorts... I'm not on social media to fight with you, even if you think you know more than I do. And in some areas, you might. That's fine. I don't know everything. As a matter of fact, in plenty of areas in life, I'm just plain dumb. And you probably are in some areas, too. Nobody is a complete expert on everything. Nobody. So I'm just not on there looking for fights. I just went on there yesterday basically saying that I really think the Yankees could have and should have matched the Neris offer because if they're not going to get another starting pitcher, then they really should reinforce the bullpen. Regardless of which area it is, starting pitching should definitely be first and foremost, but I don't really know what they're thinking in depth in their meetings right now at this very time. If they do not, in fact, plan on adding that second starter, that's where I look to the bullpen because I do think they should reinforce with pitching in one way or another. That's my point. A lot of people were even saying, oh, well, the bullpen's not what they need to improve. They've had the best bullpen in years. You should be looking to the starting rotation. How many times have I actually said that I also agree the bullpen does not need as much addressing as some people think that it does? I'm just saying it in the sense that if they do not plan on acquiring that second starter that they desperately, in my opinion, need, they need to do some pitching reinforcements in some area, and the other area is the bullpen. That's my point. Because his deal with the Cubs, Neris being, was one year, $9 million for a player option if he appears in 60 games for a second year. Literally right here how Jeff Passan described it. In agreement on a one-year, $9 million contract that includes an option for 2025, the $9 million team option converts to a player option at 60 games. Total max with incentives is $23.25 million. And the other thing, to my understanding with the Yankees, is that every single dollar they spend is basically taxed. So if you were to have him appear in 60 games, if the Yankees were to sign him, then it turns into a player option for the second year, and that could very well go through, which would be $18 million. But then the total max incentives would be $23.25 million. 
And all of that would basically be doubled because of the Yankees' tax threshold that they're currently in due to their current payroll. So you'd be looking at almost $50 million over two years. So, yeah, I guess I understand that. Fine, whatever. But also, like, let me get the world's smallest violin when it comes to the Yankees and their financial situation. Listen, I'm not saying I expect the Yankees to just shoot themselves in the foot financially for no good reason, but I'm also not here sympathizing with the Yankees having to pay additional taxes because the Yankees are freaking fine financially. And they're going to have to spend the money one way or the other regardless. I mean, especially in the future, if you plan on bringing back Juan Soto, and they're probably still going to give or take be around the same tax threshold for next year if you have to fight for him in free agency and the kind of money you're going to have to throw at him and at potential other candidates, depending on your needs at that point or in the near future. Like, either way, you're going to have to deal with being taxed if you want to acquire further players. And my point was, who are you getting for the bullpen if you are not going to be adding to the starting rotation additionally? Who else are you going to add for the bullpen for better than this? Either way, regardless of who you're acquiring, you're going to have to pay taxes if you're the Yankees. Are we going to let taxes completely hold them up from doing what's necessary? Are we all in or not? Making a move like Juan Soto the way they did earlier in the offseason, which I beyond commend them for, beyond, not going to pretend like I haven't. Big fan of the move. But that also sends a signal to yourselves and all of those who root for you that you are all in and prepared to win now as you should with Garrett Cole and Aaron Judge still in their primes with time running out, unfortunately, within the next three to four years. But then you're going to let taxes hold you up with certain players that would really help your team. Oh, but Mike Neris is old and he's inconsistent and he's this or he's that. Well, he's 34 years old. He's not 40. He just came off of a season where he pitched to a 171 ERA. The last handful of seasons, he appears in at least 70-plus games, and you're talking about that with the Yankees when it comes to the Yankees being highly injured the way they are every year. Nice to have a consistent arm you could think to bring in the bullpen. In a season that's worth a damn, so that pretty much excludes 2020, I don't think he's had an ERA above 3.7, 3.72 in like five or six years. I mean, Bro's a career ERA of 3.24, and here's why. I mean, in the first year that he pitched, he only appeared in one game. It was a shutout, shutout appearance. And in 2015, in his second year in 32 games, 3.79 ERA. Okay, not that great, but eh. 2016 appeared in 79 games, so one game short of 80. Basically appeared in almost half the games in the year. 258 ERA. 2017, 301 ERA in 74 games. 2018 was by far his worst season. Had a bit of a downturn, 53 games, 510 ERA. 2019, bounced back right away in 68 games, 293 ERA. 2020 was what it was, 4.5 ERA, but you can only account for that season so much. 2021, 74 outings again, 363 ERA, so 3.6. Again, not great, but not bad. 2022, 70 games again. 372 ERA. In the last six years, that's his highest ERA. So if that's the maximum ERA, not that bad at all. Last year, 71 games again, 171 ERA. So yeah, having a career year at 34, bit strange, but still... It's the most recent thing you have. It's a good piece of evidence to have of late. Throws at least 65 innings. 65 to 70 innings, at least 70 appearances each year. When you talk about bringing that over to the Yankees, 
who constantly need people because they're always injured everywhere, even in the bullpen. Excuse me if I think that that would have been a fine addition to the Yankees. If tax is really the only thing you have to hit me with, fine. Whatever. You want to use taxes as the reason, then use taxes as the reason. But are we all in or not? And taxes or not, even with the taxes, who else are you getting out there if you're going to add to the bullpen? That's better than Neris has been for the money that he got. He got signed for less than $10 million. Yeah, with an option for a second year, but that's an option. There's no guarantees. It's a one-year, $9 million contract with the option. But the only guarantee is 2024 for that money. And now, you have Robertson off the market, you have Adovino off the market. I wasn't interested in Adovino reunion anyway. But now you're really looking at, and again, this is if you don't add to the starting rotation, and even if you do, you could sign at least one of these arms. You're probably looking at a Wandy Peralta reunion, which again, I don't have a problem with that. I really don't. And you also bring Middleton back too. A lot of people are talking about that as well, that you could get both of them back for maybe around the same as Neris or maybe even a tiny bit cheaper, which I guess for the purpose of saving money, that's fine. I'm totally cool with that, bringing those two back, especially Wandy, because Wandy we definitely know far better than Middleton. And Wandy's a respectable arm out of the bullpen, respectable left-handed pitcher. I have no problem with that. But the starting rotation is really the one I'm looking at again. I'm fine with a Montgomery reunion. Must be too much money for him to not be signed yet. I don't know. Who knows what's really going on in-depth details at all times, unless you're in on the situation and you're a legitimate source. Blake Snell is an interesting one. Because Blake Snell... Obviously, he's been asking for a lot of money. We've heard rumors that he has been asking for nine years. Nine years. $270 million. It's a big freaking contract. Big commitment. The biggest offer, apparently, the loan offer that he has received for anything remotely close to that was from the Yankees, we were told which was six years, 150 which on average, the AAV would be $30 million a year. And that's without taxes. Got to make that part clear for all the Yankees' new financial advisors out there. But that's the biggest offer that he's received in contrast to what he's been asking for, which obviously no one is remotely approaching. Now, I think the Yankees' offer is completely fair, despite the fact that Blake Snell is coming off of a Cy Young season. I don't want to discount him from that. But also, you have to remember that Blake Snell, the last few years, has come with his occasional injury concerns, even though that wasn't anything to deal with in 2023. But before that, there have been occasional injury struggles. His ERA wasn't necessarily Stellar outside of 2023. 2018, he was phenomenal. And 2020 in the shortened season, so take for that what you will. And 2022 was pretty good, 338 in San Diego as well. But his best seasons were really 2018 and this past year. He has a tendency to not go deep into games, walks a lot of batters, gets into a lot of deep counts. These are not desirable traits 
when you're looking to sign a starter and commit to him long term. So that's the problem, and that's why he's probably getting nowhere near what he's asking for. And I'm not even saying that he should be getting what he's asking for, because he should not. Which is why I don't blame the Yankees for being at that price. And hey, if he wants a job in 2024, he might be inclined to take it. So if that is the case, and the Yankees stick to the only loan offer, and he has no interest in going anywhere else as a result of all of it, he could end up just kind of falling into the Yankees' laps and being their addition. Which I'd be okay with Blake Snell. I'd be more than fine with that. (laughs) I mean, yeah, he has his negatives. It's hard to find many people who don't have their negatives. But I'd certainly be more okay with him than not getting anybody else at all. Or even some of the other options out there. That's for sure. So because of that whole situation developing with the whole contractual thing with Blake Snell, it's very interesting. We're going to have to see what happens if anybody offers him even what the Yankees have, let alone remotely what he has asked for. Because if not, he might end up just being a Yankee because nobody else even came close or even offered him anything at all. And he's just one of the other big names out there not signed yet. It's really interesting. Cody Bellinger's still out there too because of the absurd amount of money and years on his contract that he's requesting for having just been good in 2023 for the first time in nearly a half a decade. So, I don't know. A lot of these guys, they're still out there when you really would have imagined by now as we're just days away from February, you would imagine that they would be off the market, but they are out there. It's very interesting. Jobless as we are just weeks away, a couple of weeks away, from pitchers and catchers reporting, getting ready for the season. And these guys are still looking for a job. I have no doubt they've received offers. I mean, hey, they said Blake Snell received that six-year, $150 million offer from the Yankees, but they have not found a definitive job as of yet. So it's very interesting. We'll keep on following that and see what happens with Blake Snell, see if any offers come across the table other than the Yankee offer. It's going to be really interesting. I mean, he has the 225 VRA, 14-9 record, and Cy Young Award to really boost his interest and his market. 180 innings pitched. 234 strikeouts last year, but again, not going too deep into games, 180 innings and 32 starts, and walking 99 guys, well, there's your deep counts, high walk rate example right there. I don't know, man. See what happens. Very interesting situation with Blake Snell, but very interesting to add that lefty to the mix. If nothing happens there, Shane Bieber is still my guy. I mean, he's still my guy in general. I'm just a big Shane Bieber advocate. I just, I look at his numbers, and despite his injury troubles last year, having 21 starts, 380 ERA, not the best, but, and the strike, the declining strikeout rate last year as well, I have to be honest. But, I mean, basically, before that, outside of also having some injury troubles in 21, but otherwise his numbers there still being solid. Outside of that, I just, since 2019, there's a lot to like, a lot of upside, good age, love the stuff that he has. I mean, that's just, that's my guy right there. I would love to have Shane Bieber in this rotation, just depends what it takes to trade for him. That's what it comes down to. But it's it's really looking like as people just continue to fly off, well, there are still some big names out there. Some names have flown off the charts and out of some people's heads when it comes to trades too. To me, it's really starting to look like potentially uh, 
for me, it's going to be Blake Snell or Shane Bieber or Jordan Montgomery, really. If anyone for that. And if, and if it's not anyone, you got to bulk up that bullpen again, bro. Even if it's bringing back Middleton and Wandy and or Wandy. Got to do something, man. Pitching is the focus. It's got to be it. You still need help with that. And then, if you get any one of those guys, especially for the starting rotation, maybe on top of that, bring back Wandy on the cheap, if you can, and or Middleton, then we ride into 2024, bro. That's how I feel about it. Strap yourselves in and let's get ready to have some fun, as far as I'm concerned. That's my view on the whole thing, though. Really bizarre with some of the big names still out there, free agent-wise, and when it comes to what the Yankees could do to add to their needed pitching situation. But now let's hear what you guys have to say, because this is pretty much a social media discussion. <laughs> Open-ended question with February just being days away. Which moves, if any, do you think the Yankees could slash should still make before the start of spring training? I basically gave you all my input and really painted the picture of what's going on out there right now as we head towards February, but let's hear what you guys have to say. What could, should the Yankees do? Let's start off with at Yankee Ken. They say they'll probably sign a reliever, but that's not a guarantee. Otherwise, I can see them just signing minor league deals with invites to spring training. Could be. That's a lot of what they've been doing lately. A lot of waiver claims of late. Lots of shifting around of the roster with the 40 men. Could be small deals from here on out, but I certainly hope not because they need their help with pitching. They do. At 99 Sports Mania says, want them to get a big reliever, but of course they missed greatly on that. Hoping they re-sign Wandy and or Middleton at least. Still need one more starting pitcher. I hope they can still get Snell for a reasonable price. Yeah, that's what, it's, that's what it's all about. And again, really I just look to the bullpen depending on what happens with the starting rotation because the starting rotation is the focus. Because I acknowledge when people say, oh, you shouldn't be that upset with Neris because, you know, they still have the top bullpen or one of the top bullpens at the very least in baseball for years now. And yeah, listen, nobody's acknowledged that more than me and commended the bullpen more than me. I'm understanding of that. I'm just saying if they don't add further to the rotation, because regardless, they still need to add pitching, period. I think some people misunderstood that. Adding a big reliever, I don't know about that. Like, some people were saying, oh my god, I would have loved Josh Hader. Not for that money, man. I am just done with overpaying relievers. I have been a huge supporter of that group. Because a lot of Yankee fans feel this way now, and I am 100% with them. That is just tired of overpaying or just paying a ton of money and providing a big commitment, too, for a lot of relievers. I'm just not about that anymore. Not about it. Because at most, you're probably going to get a couple of good seasons out of them anyway. And it just just doesn't end up working out. It just doesn't. Put that money towards a starter or get someone on the, on the cheap in the bullpen who could work out to be almost as good or just as good. How many times have the Yankees managed to do that with the bullpen in recent years? Even though Clay Holmes definitely had his time where he fell off, he definitely rebounded. He's had his amazing times. He did with Clay Holmes. He was nobody of note, really, with Pittsburgh. But the Yankees took him in, really improved upon that sinker-slider combo, the brutal combo that he has, just killer when it's on. And even a guy like Ian Hamilton, really. Like, where the hell did he come from? He was a respectable arm for the Yankees greatly in 2023, outside of when he missed some time with injury. 
But, I mean, that's a theme throughout all of baseball, especially with the Yankees. But how many times have the Yankees managed to find somebody who really wasn't anything to write home about at all for the bullpen? Really on the cheap. And they end up being a plenty respectable arm. Wandy Peralta's another one. Before coming over the Yankees from San Fran, he wasn't anything crazy. But the Yankees managed to use him in a very good way. And he ended up being an important arm out of the pen. Like I said, I'd very much like if Wandy came back. I wouldn't have a problem with that. It wasn't that I was beyond crushed to not get Neris, but I mean, it's just a good pitcher arm to have. It would have been a good ad. But so would Wandy. So I wouldn't say they greatly missed on that. Because I think bringing Wandy back would be a solid reunion, be a good ad, like Neris would be. But yeah, the Yankees have managed to do that a great deal where they get somebody for the bullpen who barely anybody knows at all and they turn them into a pretty important arm out of there who's very respectable. And when you can do that over overpaying for a guy like Hader, even though Hader's great, don't get me wrong, he's had some inconsistency the last couple of years, but still great, just not into paying big relievers anymore. But yeah, definitely need at least one more starter. Going to keep track of the Blake Snell situation, as I'm sure we all will, because that's a very interesting thing developing where the Yankees are really the only offer... <laughs> Major offer worth talking about, at least. And he could end up just falling into their laps if nothing else changes and he gets nowhere near where he wanted. Might end up having to take a smaller contract than he hoped, maybe even smaller than the one the Yankees offered him, depending on how negotiations go, if there are any or end up being any. And if he, the Yankees could get him for a shorter deal, I mean, that'd be, that'd be solid. I'd be for that. I just don't want to commit too many years to Blake Snell. That's all. That'd be awesome if they get him on a shorter deal than they had hoped. So yeah, that's definitely a very interesting situation that all of us have got to keep up with in the coming days. At Mike B underscore 923 says, Another mid to late inning reliever and another starter would be good. Prime Andy and Moe, LOL. <laughs> yeah, that'd be ideal. I would say, like I said before, like bring back Wandy and add Bieber or Snell or even Montgomery. I mean... Bieber and Snell, definitely better. But, yeah, that'd be ideal for me. I mean, if they got Bieber or Snell and got Wandy back, I'm, I'm saying let's ride. Let's go. Starters where they got to go first and foremost, though. And if you don't get a starter, that's where you pivot to the bullpen. If there's really nobody you like out there or if nothing's moving with the starting pitching market, then that's where you turn to the bullpen because you got to get pitchers at some capacity. At Vinman23 says, I want Snell or Monty, but I know that isn't happening after the Neris news. Hopefully Peralta or Middleton, preferably both. Yeah, it's probably the most realistic, at the very least, especially if they don't plan on getting other starters as well. And and yeah, that's that's the other thing too. If some people are so held up and thinking that the Yankees haven't made any more moves or they won't make any more moves because of the tax situation, then yeah, free agency is basically out of the question. So Snell and Monty are just shot by that logic. And really the route to go down is trade, and that's where I look to someone like Shane Bieber. So that's that. So that by that tax logic, that really takes the Yankees out of a lot of different situations outside of like a Peralta or a Middleton situation. And they're mostly done. That's basically what you're telling me. And they can't afford to be. In my humble opinion. At Cashman Sucks NYY says, I think they'll only sign a reliever because they're currently a little over the threshold. Probably Wandy or Middleton. Yeah, there's a tax threshold with payroll. There you go. 
yeah, if that is the case, and that's really all that they could afford to do, especially if they're also not planning on doing any sort of a trade for a Shane Bieber or someone else, then yeah, that really is all that they can do. Just small-time signings like that, that would be pretty much on the cheap. But again, the Mets are also in on Peralta, I'm told, and maybe some others too, so it's not a guarantee that Wandy comes back, even though it's a shiny option, and it's likely because he knows what it's like here, the Yankees know what he's like, and it'd be a good reunion, but that's not even a guarantee. And if that doesn't happen, what are you going to do? You're just going to get Middleton and then be done? Nah, bro. Not going to be feeling great about that. I'll be feeling great about the lineup, but the pitching will have me nervous as hell. At Laura underscore Icemont says, I'm hoping the Yankees re-sign Wandy since we need an extra arm in the bullpen. Yeah, it's probably what they end up doing, especially if the taxes are holding them up as much as some people are saying it is. We'll see. At Traffic VTL says, two relief pitchers, no question. Yeah, at the very least. At the very least. But even so, again, if it could be done, starting rotation first and foremost, that's really where the area of need is. But again, if you're not going to add to that, then that's when the relievers come in. Can't hurt to have too much relief pitcher depth as it is anyway, but starting pitching takes priority right now. Look to the bullpen if you can't add there. At Baseball Tzar says, glad you're feeling better. Thanks so much, man. Appreciate that. And yeah, it's just things like this. So many people have just been like, I'm so glad you're feeling better, Mike. So sorry to hear that the flu hit you as hard as it did. Yeah, I'm sorry too, <laughs> to be honest. Um, but I really appreciate the well wishes, even when I, when I was sick. But now that I'm better, you guys have been way too good to me. Thank you. Appreciate it. And thank you, man. Adding relief pitching depth. I think we're set everywhere else. I like this team more than I did at the beginning of last season. Outfield defense is not as good. I think we can address that from the minors until Jason comes back. Heel is our wild card this year. Yeah, that's some good points all around. I mean, relief pitcher depth can't hurt. I do not think we're set everywhere else. (laughs) I do not think the rotation is as good as it can be. I definitely think one more addition to it would be really beneficial because right now, the rotation you're looking at is Cole, Rodon, Stroman, Nestor, Schmidt. And also acquiring another starter, like I said before, could have either Nestor or Schmidt go to the bullpen for further reinforcements there, so you can add to that as well by adding another starter by trade. So, that's what I'm saying. Just adding a starter is really, that's the main priority. That should be where it's really at. So offensively with the lineup and all that, I do agree. I'm, I'm ready to say, let's just ride with that, but... Starting rotation, I'm not. Bullpen, maybe not 100%, but the Yankees' bullpen always just figures it out every year. And they do have, they still have their plenty of respectable names out there, more than respectable to get by. Just that adding more depth would definitely be totally fine. You won't get any blowback from me on that, for sure. And I think the outfield defense, I think it could be worse. It's going to be a little strange with Judge playing center field primarily because that's really what the plan has to be right now. Soto's going to man right field a lot of the time, you have to imagine. And Verdugo in left field is a corner outfielder out there. I think he'll handle that okay. Not too worried about that. Soto's really the biggest concern with the glove, but I think in right field with the least amount of real estate to cover, I don't think it's going to be that bad. At least I hope it's not. And even if it is, you're probably going to imagine his bat's going to very well make up for it. (laughs) And Judge, he's going to play terrifically no matter where he plays. And then Jason Dominguez, I mean, he's shown some solid potential all around defensively included, so that's just a matter of where he is when it comes to coming back. But I'm hearing a lot of good whispers about that, too. 
that Jason is a lot closer to coming back than we may have originally thought. There's been a lot of inclination on that from Aaron Boone and others. I mean, it could be that they're not being entirely truthful, or maybe people are looking into it too much and being too optimistic. But I'm hearing some good things about that. I mean, hey man, the sooner Jason comes back, the better. Can't wait to see more of the kid. I was heartbroken when he got hurt. And baffled. (laughs) But regardless, you also have an amazing option like Trent Grisham when it comes to defense. In case anything's lacking. I mean, Trent is the man in center field. And then, I mean, it it depends on from game to game. Late in the game, if you make a substitution, maybe like Verdugo or Soto comes out. Make a move, shift in the outfield, someone to left field, and maybe move Judge over to right, bring Trent Grisham into center, and that vastly improves your defense at the very least in center and right, because Judge man's right field, Trent Grisham in center. We all know how, how Boone likes to rotate guys around each day, which most of the time irritates the hell out of me, but we know how much he likes to do that, and the Yankees like to do that. So, anything could happen. Different situations play out every single day. That's what makes it complicated and intriguing to talk about all the time and speculate about. But who knows? And Heal, I mentioned his name before, coming off Tommy John. Guys like him, Beater, who they got in the Joey Gallo trade with Los Angeles, and Will Warren down in the minors. I know Chase Hampton's still pretty far away from debuting. I think he's still in double A, but... Yeah, these are some guys that they could look to in the minors for some depth and some guys who maybe have major league experience in the case of Luis Heal but are just coming back from injury, and we'll see what they have. Heel is really intriguing to me, because even though he's still had some control and command to work on prior to his injury, his stuff is electric, man. If he just improves that command and takes more steps forward, he could actually be a really lethal arm. <laughs> he really can be. So yeah, that, that is a big wild card for sure. Tina at MountainGal456 says, Hi Mike, glad you're feeling better. Thanks again, Tina. You guys are awesome. I love you guys. I would love to see the Yankees get another starting pitcher. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> That's exactly what I'm saying. Rebecca at Peace Now for Life says, Hey Mike. Hey Rebecca. Yankees need another bullpen arm. I'd like to see Wandy back. I'd still like to see them also get another starting pitcher. Holding out hope for Snell since he hasn't signed anywhere yet. I think the lineup is set. Add pitching and get number 28. Hell yeah, Rebecca. Yeah, the Snell situation is really the one that I'm really intrigued by, especially since in the last couple of weeks, since we last spoke, it was revealed that the Yankees are basically his lone offer and nowhere near what he was or has been asking for. Nine years, 270, and the Yankees were six years, 150. And if he ends up holding out, the Yankees could maybe lower that even more. Who knows? I mean, negotiations are just wild how they work sometimes. And if he still doesn't have any offers and he goes to the Yankees later on, Yankees might actually be able to get him on a pretty short-term deal. And I'd be all for that. Then I say let's ride, especially if you get him and then bring someone like Wandy back, maybe just one additional relief pitcher for depth out there in the pen. Let's freaking go, man. Let's go. But again, the whole payroll and tax threshold situation Free agency is kind of cloudy right now. Who knows? But yeah, I'm, I'm all for all that. Snell and Wandy, I'd be down for that. And again, if not free agents, give me my boy Bieber, man. Bring him over here. At Jerry Chesler says, bring back Gumby. Yeah, I wouldn't have a problem with Jordan Montgomery. I do think Blake Snell and Shane Bieber would definitely take higher spots in the rotation, have bigger impacts, but... 
I would have no problem bringing Monty back at all. I really wouldn't, especially if it were for the right price. Pretty sure he was asking for a decent amount of scratch too, but I definitely wouldn't be opposed to that. I have no problem with Jordan Montgomery, and I very much respect him going out there and doing what he did in 2023, especially after 2022 when the Yankees were outright basically just saying more or less that he's not a part of the postseason rotation plans, and I don't know, they just didn't really seem to appreciate the consistency that he brought about more often than not. And then he goes out there and has a respectable 2023 season and kicks ass in the postseason. <laughs> so, I respect that. <laughs> Very much do. Alrighty, it's getting late pretty early out here. Let's just do a handful of more. At Kane's Eagles 1 says, I would like to see another reliever if possible. Deep pen never hurts. Let's go Yankees. Yeah, it never does hurt, especially if you're not going to additionally contribute to the starting rotation, like I said. And then you should be reinforcing the pen even more. That's when that comes into play. Regardless, can't be done yet. All right, final two, as always. First up, my girlfriend at Vic Salimo, and she says, the same as before, after they made the improvements to the lineup, starting pitching. Yeah, that's that. Like I said before, the three main ones, in my opinion, Snell, Montgomery, and just for what I want personally, Shane Bieber, honestly, when it comes to making a potential trade depending on what the package ends up being. And last but certainly not least is my mom, Julia Gina Scudero, and she says, Hi Mike, so glad you're back and feeling good. Thanks mom, love you. I still think the team needs another good starting pitcher. I'm actually not comfortable without it. I'm hoping they do something, missing baseball, but not the kind we saw last season. (laughs) Yeah, amen to that. But yes, starting pitching, that's where it lies. That's where it's at. Could not agree more, and I'm not comfortable without any further additions either, especially if nothing major is done with the pen as well when it comes to getting at least Wandy and Middleton back. you got to get both of them back if nothing's done with the rotation because then if you're not doing anything with the rotation, that bears a lot of further bolstering of the bullpen. It should at least. Not a guarantee that it will, but it should. But with the current starting rotation, yeah, I'm not, not comfortable with it either. Could be worse, but again, a lot of it, especially if you're not going to make any additional moves, like I said before, hinges greatly, greatly on Rodon being the man that they paid for, Nestor Cortez having a bounce back, and Clark Schmidt taking that next step on his starter's journey in a major league rotation. Are you comfortable with banking on all of that if this is all they do for the starting rotation, and if they don't do much else to legitimately bolster up the bullpen in turn? That's the question you got to ask yourself, and the question that I will leave you with today. Asking, basically, what I've asked myself the last 24 hours or so, especially after the Naris news and a lot of other bullpen arms flying off the board and the potential options dwindling down and the rumors of the tax threshold potentially holding things up. So, is that it? Could that be all that's being done? That's the question that we basically have for ourselves as February comes in in the next few days and as episode 208 today comes to an end, my friends. With that being said, that is all for episode 208 today. The regular reminders, follow me on social media if you don't already. Facebook fan page, Mike Scudero NY. 
Twitter or X is at Mike Scudero, and Instagram is Mike Scuds97. Subscribe to Yapping Yankees on all four of the platforms it is available on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Show your love across all of those as you all always do such a great job at doing, my good people. And if you have time, and if you missed any past Yapping Yankees episodes, do not worry. Episodes 34, all the way up to episode 208 today, are available on YouTube. And every single Yapping Yankees episode that has ever been done for the last four and a half to five years, episode one, all the way up to 208 today, are available on Apple, Spotify, and SoundCloud. And once again, I thank you 3,000 for listening to me yap today, my friends. As always, I have been your host, Mike Scudero, and I will talk to you in two Sundays. That is, if nothing major happens this coming week. If that is the case, then I'll talk to you next Sunday the 4th, but if not, then two Sundays on February 11th, which actually is the day of the Super Bowl, when I come at you with episode 209 of Yapping Yankees. And this would not be the first day that I release a Super Bowl episode of Yapping Yankees. Lots of big ones recently between the New Year's Eve edition, now the Super Bowl edition's coming up. Of late, there have been some big editions of Yapping Yankees. We're going to keep that going. But I might end up taping on Saturday, depending on how busy the weekend is, and then I'll just release it early on Sunday. We'll see what happens. But And I'll let you know what I'm doing when it comes to doing the actual episode in two weeks. Unless, of course, I end up doing an episode next weekend. If something big happens this coming week, and that whole discussion is moot anyway. But I guess time will tell. But until then, guys, regardless, hang in there, be patient, stay safe, look out for your loved ones, go ahead and kick life's ass this week, and let's keep a lookout for what could possibly happen with the Yankees and elsewhere for the little that remains of the offseason, my friends. Spring training, pitchers and catchers reporting, is growing ever closer. And what moves are there still to be made before that happens? That is the question again that I leave you with today. Until we yap again, my friends. Hmm, I actually like that. As opposed to until we meet again. I'm going to use that slogan at the end of every episode now. Starting at episode 208, this will be the slogan to end each episode. (laughs) Just decided on that right here on the spot. Until we yap again, my friends. Take care, and let's go Yanks. (laughs) 